Good morning, everybody. How you all doing? <laughs> Are you well? Don't be shy to say hello. <laughs> Please don't be shy. <laughs> all righty. Praise the Lord. So uh, you guys would have noticed that Pastor Didi is not here this morning. All right. I received a phone call. I think it was like at quarter to seven or something. Something like that. Uh, it was, actually wasn't him. It was uh, Trish. <laughs> He's like, Bash, she's like, Bashi. I'm like, yeah, Trish, I know. Don't worry. It's okay. We got it this morning. It's fine. Don't worry. Because he, was, uh, he had a bit of a throat thing this week. And uh, I think uh, he wasn't able to string like two sentences together this morning. But I know he's online. Hey, dudes. How's it going? Everyone say hi, dudes. Hey. <laughs> All righty. So who was here last week? More or less, more or less. More. I'm happy. Okay, cool. If you weren't here, did you watch the sermon or listen to the podcast? Anybody? Yes. All of you should say yes. Why? Because you are good disciples. That's what disciples do. They study the word. Amen? Amen? Okay, that was better. That was better. So you guys know that, uh, what, is, what are we calling this thing? What is the level of your leaven? You know, we catchy like that. We got like cool names for things and stuff, you know. We're hip. We're happening, you know. I'm joking, but anyway. Um, so we're talking about uh, the leaven that Jesus warned against, right? And the same thing, I mean, in, in I think it's Matthew 16, he spoke about uh, be wary of the leaven of the Pharisees, all right? Which we're going to look at a bit more this morning. But uh, we started last week at looking at all, thanks, Ed's, looking at all the, the different points that a religious spirit carries. Are you with me? Someone who has a religious heart, we were looking at all the attributes um, that they carry, right? And I think there's about 25 of them. Is that right? Yeah, 25 of their deeds listed. It was quite extensive. Um, but uh, I thought this morning we could maybe just finish off. I think we did seven, 17. Yeah, yeah. People with the notes are like, yes, you stopped on 17. Okay, thank you. Uh, we, can, we, we stopped on 17, so I thought, okay, let's go through it a bit, yep. and then we can, um, we can go back to Matthew 16 and just talk the guys through why those points sort of come through. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if there's anything else you want to... No, that's yeah. good. You, you good with that? Yeah. All right, cool. So who has all their points? Get, get your notes out. Turn the pages. Look at the person next to you. Say, are you ready? Say, is kharit? And I don't know any more languages. So yeah, we're going to go. All right? So let's kick off from... What's the 17, I think? Let, let's just catch up on where we ended. What was the 17th one? 25 points of identifying the religious spirit in us. Hallelujah. Now listen... While they're busy going there, when we talk about spirit, we're not talking about an entity. We're talking about a mindset, a belief system. Okay, we're talking about an attitude. The spirit that is in you is the Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's the Holy Spirit that's in you, all right? So here we go. So we started at 16 was, uh, we'll be encouraged when his ministry or business and or life looks better than others. Okay? Uh, 17, we'll glory more in what God has done in the past. That was a big one that we ended on last week because you guys remember we, we made the statements like, ah, oh, do you remember the glory days? Yeah, you know, but uh, they, they keep forgetting that every day with God is sweeter than the day before. Amen. So our hearts, we should carry that. Listen, all the glory days are ahead of us because the more we walk with God, the more we are submitting to him, the more we, we, we're listening to his leading and we are applying the truth that Jesus came to proclaim to the world. Life's only going to get better. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Life just gets better and better with Jesus, right? Number 18. I just want to, yeah, yeah. Go I for just it, want yeah. to say that um, in the Old Testament, what, what they did, um, do you know they used to have a tent called the tabernacle? And inside the tabernacle, they, were, they had the candelabra, uh, which had a, a main stem, and there was light that was coming, and then... I'm sure you've seen it. Um, the menorah, they call it, but the menorah is not the same because it, it's got extra, but anyway, okay, but it's like the menorah. And uh, so the light would obviously, it would light the, the, the area inside it was called the holies. So what would happen is every single day the priests would come and they had like, you know those small snuff boxes? It was exactly that way, and um, the elder people, older people will definitely remember what I'm saying. But anyway, they would take the week of, of the day that was used, and they would put it inside the box, and they would trim, and they would keep it. Um, 
and you could not use it again. Now, that's important, and there's a major paradox about life on what I'm going to say now. You see, you can't go back and recollect your past experiences that you've had with God and bring them into the present and try to apply the principles, the voice, the experiences of that past to the present. Because right now you're different. Physiologically you've changed, emotionally, experiences, everything has changed. You can though remember and reconnect that the way that God brought me through then, he's going to bring me through now. But you can't go get the voice of God that was then to use it into the now because the now has changed and the now is very dynamic. People have changed. Economy has changed. That's why all those things about bringing back the good old days or bringing back the, the glory of the Old Testament and bring it, all those are redundant. Because today, life is dynamic. And what you're going to use today is very different to what is going to be tomorrow. Okay? So that's the, the paradox. The paradox is, yes, I can use the past, but I can only use it as an encouragement for my present. Nothing more than that. Okay? The minute you go to experience anything in the past, like... That's what it reminded me of now as, as we read this. Then unfortunately, we are not in this dynamic relationship with God that we are moving with him. And that's how you and I have been designed to move in life, in connection with him. Man, I hope you guys understand this. Do you want me to go a bit deeper? Is it good? Okay, let's carry on. So... So even with that point, guys, even when Hebrews tells us, listen, the word of God is living. You know, it's present in every moment that we're alive because God's alive inside of us. You know, so taking that thing of that's how I've always done it. You know, that, that like you were saying is that the encouragement is that God proved himself to be who he said he was. Yeah. So the encouragement is he's going to do that again now. He's going to do it tomorrow and he's going to do it forever. Yeah. Amen. But just because we had a solution doesn't mean that that's the solution for now. Absolutely. And it's important that we remember that because it's easy to go into that as a place of confidence and safety. Yes. To be like, okay, doing that worked. So let's go with it again. Yeah. We, we can't do that. You know, we've got to have our hearts open. You know, Joseph Prince uses such a cool, a cool example. He says this. He's like, this is because specific to this point, uh, he, he says like this. He's like, this is how religious people think of things, right? You remember the account in the Bible where Jesus uh, spat in the mud, and he rubbed it on the blind person's eyes, right? He goes like this, and he's like, a religious person would have been like, aha, that's how you heal blind eyes, yeah. right? So everyone would have been going around spitting in mud and rubbing it on all the blind people's eyes. I don't know what kind of pathogens they would have been spreading, <laughs> right? And he even goes so far, and he's like, it would even have gone so far that there would have been a new denomination called the Mudites. <laughs> Come, we'll rub mud on all your ailments. <laughs> You know, <laughs> the spitting ministries, you know, the spitting image of Jesus. Anyway, that was so lame, Bash. But I'll give you a chance to laugh because you didn't catch that. Okay, there we go. Thank you. I appreciate that. But are you guys understanding what we're saying? Because you see, like we mentioned last week, is that every one of these points will be present in our lives if any area of our lives is not based on relationship with God. The entire walk of the believer is relationship. It's not how well you can do things, okay, which we'll, we'll touch on just now, all right? It's not how well you can do things. All right, the next one. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. So we, we're going through this so everyone can have it, but we're going to be breaking it down into more detail over the coming weeks, okay, like we mentioned last week. All right, um, we'll have the tendency, we'll have the tens. Hallelujah. We'll have the tens to be suspicious or, uh, or to new ways of bringing the gospel across the world. <clears throat> I, I just want to say, my English is better than that. So I'll just say, just in case you guys were wondering, okay, my English may, my English may fail, but the Lord doesn't. <laughs> we'll have the tendency, uh, tendency, ah, oh, focus, bash. We'll have the tendency to be suspicious or 
to come up with new ways of bringing the gospel across the world. All right? Now, listen. Have you guys noticed, I know that's very confusing, but I think the point is that um, these ways of the church to be current, cutting edge, you know, all this sort of stuff, what happens is the more of these ways that creep in, people compromise on the word. Because what tends to happen, like we mentioned last week, is that it becomes an emotional, a physical, a carnal experience to try and encounter God. It doesn't stick to the truth of experiencing Jesus in your heart. Are you guys with me? Because that's what it comes down to. You can't come to a great show and say, wow, that was amazing. I had such an amazing encounter with God. Well, the question is, would you have had the same encounter with God if nothing happened there? Because the truth is, because the Holy Spirit is alive in your heart, what needs to take place is that you can experience him anytime, anywhere, any place, without a worship song playing, right? Without CWW podcast blasting in the background, right? If you're sitting in line at home affairs, you could experience the presence of God. You don't need to experience the frustration of your flesh when they say, I'm sorry, ma'am, our, our, our system is offline. Please, please, can you come back tomorrow? Now, that, that's, that's going to spark a flesh reaction in you. I guarantee you that. But the presence of God, hey? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, yes, I'm here for, uh, sorry, it's lunchtime. Please come back in an hour. Thank you. Um, but the presence of God is a reality to every single one of us consistently. Amen? It's not hindered. When, when it is, if you feel like it is hindered by a physical thing, you must remember you're the hindrance. It's not your environment. Because I always tell people to keep this in mind. How do, do, does your feelings of distance and blockage and, you know, all this attack and all these things, how does that make sense if the Spirit of God is alive inside of you now? People say, oh, I'm going through challenges. Okay, but the Spirit of God is alive inside of you. I feel like God's far away, but the Spirit of God is alive inside of you. Is the Holy Spirit not one with God? Amen? So, are you guys understanding? It is, it is, that point is talking to having this compromise of the heart experience with God to make it about physical things. Amen? Yeah. So, it's what you experience inwardly. Yes. That, uh, that's a very important point uh, because there are many levels. Uh, like Paul says, we have to become all things to all people. So internally, you've got to keep experiencing God because at the same time, you need to be adaptable and relevant. But when you try to be relevant without experiencing God in your heart, you'll end up like this. Exactly. Okay? Do you understand what this is saying? In other words, your inner world should be quite different when you want to adapt to, and be relevant to the people around you. Yeah. It, it always depends on how you obviously feel on the inside. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. 100%. Um, where are we? Number 19, we'll have the tendency to reject spiritual manifestations that he or she does not understand. Now, this is a big one with the word I like, the charismaniacs <laughs> over the last couple of years, right? Because the previous one is what actually feeds into this, okay? Now, you guys go and have a look. I probably, I think Bethel's the best example to use for this, right? Because I've, I've, I've been to a, a Bethel concert, right? And I've been to like this conference that they have as part of their ministry. And I tell you, you know, when, when, when they're there, it becomes something very, very physical, okay? Now, listen, I'm not, Whatever, their music is amazing, it's all their stuff. Their doctrine's a bit wonky, but it's fine. But, no, it's not really fine, but that's not what I'm talking about. But what they do in these scenarios, right, or, or these settings, these conference, superpower conferences that they hold, is that what they do is, is that they force such a emotional reaction from people that they start doing all these crazy things, man. I mean, people start... I don't really want to go through the examples, but it gets really hectic. And I mean, if you go, if you go and look at these, uh, these Christian apologists, you know, these, these guys who debunk all the, the fake ministers and stuff. Hey, we had a South African who appeared on there, by the way. Okay. Yeah, he, he is so wonky, he made it on the radar of the international guys. How good is that? Like, geez. Okay, it's like you want to be famous, but choose something better, you know, sort of thing. But um, it's become this thing that, listen, 
I want to experience God so much. But they don't open their hearts for the experience. They create it themselves. So have you guys seen that? And I've seen it. Listen, I've seen it where we've led worship, hey? And let's say someone experiences the joy of the Lord, where they start laughing. Or, you know, they start crying, whatever. I have seen people, like, so desperate to experience that, they'll just, like, start. They're like, okay, maybe if I start laughing, I'll experience it. You know, maybe if I start crying or maybe if I jump around and all that stuff. Now, that physical expression must happen, like you were saying, internally first. You don't do the physical expression to spark something inside. Are you with me? And now we have scenarios. What's our, what's our favorite dude who swings the coat? Uncle Benny. What does he do in the conference center? He stands up, takes his anointed cloak off, and he goes, Fwah! And then you know at the top, all the people, like a Mexican wave, they fall over. Right? Now listen, it's the domino effect, you know, the Benny Hinn domino effect. Now listen, the thing is this. We need to understand, firstly, the honor for the one who is administering these gifts. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one who honors, uh, who administers these gifts, Right? So the experience that we are seeking to have needs to first start with honoring him. Are you with me? And it is impossible for someone to have an experience with the Holy Spirit that is not in line with his character. Right? I mean, some people, some people, like guys like, yeah, when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I get violent. I'm like, the Holy Spirit is violence. No, come on. Yeah, are you guys with me? And it's because of this, this, this sort of lines that get crossed of people so desperate to have an experience but don't want to experience the person. Are you with me? And what tends to happen is that now, if you look at a, at a young Christian who would see a violent expression of the Holy Spirit, they're going to be closed off to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do because like, imagine the Holy Spirit comes to me and I start slapping people. <laughs> then someone says like, I don't want the Holy Spirit, I don't want to slap people, that doesn't make sense. Are you guys with me? An experience with God will never be out of line with his character. Are you with me? Because God only produces in line with himself. Are you with me? I don't know if you know anything more to that. Well, yeah. just the, the difference, how do you differentiate between an emotional experience mm. and a spiritual experience? You can come here and you can listen and you can sing to, to, you know, to hymns and songs, whatever, but your heart is not engaged. And that's called an emotional experience. You might as well be singing, you know, in anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, being a concert. Uh, so that's an emotional experience. A spiritual experience has its real roots. And that's what makes it spiritual in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's it. And once you believe that in your heart, and when I say, remember, when we use the word believe, we don't use it lightly, you know. Believe means when your deep-seated feelings inside of you and your thoughts have aligned. Mm. Usually you have, you know, the information that comes that says death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, but if you need to, to process that into your daily life, what does it mean to you? Mm. What does it mean that you died to him, you buried, uh, you know, and you were raised? I mean, think about it. Um, I was meditating a couple of days ago about this, this whole thing about burial. And what does burial do? Burial disconnects you once and for all from your physical body. In other words, finding life, finding meaning, purpose into your five senses. Write that down. Okay? So I am buried to to my physical world where I get the meaning from. Anything that I experience with my physical body is an addition. Anything that I experience with my five senses, always think of that. I'm telling you, this is, this is key here. Uh, anything that you experience with your physical, with your five senses, your physical body, it's only a contribution To what life is to you. Do you know that the word sanctification means you set apart yourself from your physical senses to find life and find it only in him. 
Oh, well, that's what it means to be sanctified that's in it. your heart. Yep. You're saying, you know what? I only find life in you. I've got these needs. When I want the sweetness, I don't run to a chocolate, Lord. I find a way to come to you. And you are my sweet spot. Because that's what I'm seeking. I'm seeking sweetness of life. So now I'm going to turn to you and you say, you are life. So I'm connecting to you, Jesus, as my life. You are my source. And immediately you disconnect. Now you've made an association. Every time the need of sweetness of life comes, I don't go to a chocolate. You see, you set yourself free from it. I go to him. And, and, and there's many other examples I don't want to get into. I, I think the chocolate one is yeah. good for everyone. It's, it's acceptable, socially acceptable. Okay. <laughs> okay, so th that's what we're trying to say about having now and this connection to him. And then whenever I come into an environment like this, it becomes a contribution to something I'm already experiencing. Yes. Do you understand? And when this goes away, my heart is still connected, full, and overflowing with his life. Amen. Amen. So even if this left, mm -hmm. even if my partner left, yep. even if my work left, if anything that's left doesn't matter because that is not life. That's it. Did you hear what I just said? That is not life. Come on. What you're seeking there is not going to give you life. Actually, it contributes more to your loneliness. It contributes more. The more you fulfill those things, the more it contributes to the hollow you have inside of you. And it makes it bigger and bigger. And you, when you start reading my age and other ages after me, trust me, the hole is very big. You don't want to get there. Yeah. Are you listening? Yeah. You don't want to get there that you can't deal with your hole. It's a big deal. It grows. Talk to the elderly people here. Go. Find out for yourselves. That's the truth. 100%. And I suppose now it makes sense why, I don't know, you guys know people in your lives, or maybe you are like this yourself, why you always have this need to be distracted. Sheesh. <laughs> Sheesh. This church says some hectic things, but yes. <laughs> but think about it. That's what Tuss is talking about. Okay, don't look at other people in your life. Because like what's very interesting with this thing is that everyone looks at these points like, yeah, I know this person. I know this person. And it's like, yeah. whoa, whoa. The person you must know is yourself. Okay, just calm down. Right. Okay, just hold on. But um, think about it. Why do you always have a need to be distracted? You know? I see it, I, I've seen it over the years in, in especially like, like married couples, you know, when they get older and then the kids start moving out and you know, all that stuff. It's like... They get itchy around each other. You know, it's like, okay, but then what's the hole here? You know, mm -hmm. like what was the distraction over all the years that you couldn't sit with each other? Now the kids are gone. It's a problem. You know, I see it now with young people is that they are so anchored in the things of the world that the minute any of it stops, they got to chase the next thing. Yeah. It's the next thing to be educated Fair. in. Yeah, the next fad, it's, it's, it's fashion, it's beauty, it's health and fitness, it's, it's cars, it's money, it's relationships, it's all these things, and they're constantly chasing. They can never, ever be still. They can never, ever not have an itch like, ah, you know? They'll sit still for a second because the minute they sit still and they stop being distracted, boom. Yeah. This thing is screaming, hello, I'm dying here. Help me. Help me, please. You know? Are you guys with me? So we got to, th this is something that, that's very deep, guys. It's very, very deep because if we don't address this thing, we go from one distraction to the yeah. next. And, and one more thing, I, I think, we, please just get away from this being, you know, the church, yeah, the building. Now hold it closer, it's a bit soft. Oh, okay. Yeah. You must see yourself as the church, me. Yeah. 
inside of me. I am the church. So you wake up in the morning and you connect with yourself. Okay, what is the church going to do today? Because remember, the word church means you've been called out. So I've been called out from my own personal darkness. The darkness is serving myself. So who am I going to serve today? Because I am the church. I'm supposed to be now inside of me the light. Amen. See, immediately that begins to deal with your heart so that you don't get into this leavens that he's talking about yeah. Because you say, I want to live expressing him to the world around me. And that's how you know whether you are in the spirit or whether you're in the flesh. That's how you know. Actually, it's very simple. Yeah. You know that because you're experiencing God now, you've connected with him in whatever way. You read the word, you worshiped inside of you, you know, you meditated, you, you saw yourself in him. Now you ate of him enough. And by the way, I mean, what are the seven sayings of Jesus? He says, I am the way. You know how we interpret that? Well, how the, you know, as believers, well, I'm going to go do my own thing and let the way come and enlighten my way. Mm. Make my way happy. Yeah. That's how we interpret it. Yeah. I am the resurrection. So I live in my selfishness and somehow God is going to come in and resurrect my life and make it better. It doesn't work like that. See, we adapt to him. He is life. We don't ask God or Jesus to come to adapt his life into our lives. It wasn't made that way. You were never made that way. You were made to be connected to him as the source. You're not a source yeah. for him to come and bless your life. Do you understand that? It's only designed for you to experience your life being blessed when you connect to him as the source. Amen. Amen. What's so difficult about that? Yeah. It's not. It's actually very easy. So God is calling us every day. Come. Spend time with me. Sup with me, it says. Eat of me. Amen. Eat of what I've done to you. The new identity I've given you. And out of that, you will see that all your needs are going to be met. Amen. From that mindset that you're going to have. Because now you're going to be in the light. And who's ever in the light has got no darkness in them. Yeah, that's it. That's so that's what God is calling you daily. Collectively, yes, we are here, the church. Please don't get it wrong. Okay, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is get your mind out of that because you, the church, on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday, you, the church, and you're supposed to, the, whatever you do here, you're supposed to minister to your friends and to your family, specifically in your home. How do you treat your parents? How do the parents treat the kids? That's the church, people. Are you in the light when you're treating them? Or are you got your own personal darkness that you're dealing with and then you are dispensing that darkness to them? What are you doing? That's the church. The church is you in your home. How you treat your wife, your husband, your kids. And then, of course, most of the time we are at work, how do you treat your colleagues? Do you give them light? In other words, do you give them what you're experiencing them? Not because of me. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you. I mean, I'm also on the same journey, on the same road. I get up to go to work, and I'll tell you what I do. Okay, who am I going to see now? I'm going to see this guy and that guy and that guy. Okay, so I'm having meetings with them. Now, how, now listen to this. This is how you do it. How am I going to see them? No, I don't care where they are at and what they're doing. I'm not, that's all my, that's all my business. My business is to see them complete. That's it. I want to see them full of life, light, and love of God inside of them. I do it with each one of them. Okay, Lord. 
So until I get there, I know sometimes I'm going to forget, so I'm going to keep reminding myself that that's who they are. Now you give me Holy Spirit. You see, now it's becoming practical. Now you give me according to what I see them based on the finished work of Jesus. Now you show me, give me practical things to be able to do to help them to whatever direction they are going. Exactly. Exactly. Do you see that? And you do that with your wife, with your husband, with your kids. Don't sit, especially with your kids. You need to have major patience. And I'm talking about, no, no, not the patience of, of this labor and what I'm going through and poor me. And you. No, 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 no. The patience to be able to see them beyond where they are at. That's it. Because they might be taking drugs. Face the reality. They might be going to wherever they are going to satisfy their needs. You can't see them where they are at. You got to see them where Jesus sees them. You got to see them full of the life of God inside of them. Amen. Amen. That's how you need to see them. And you're going to treat them according to the picture that Jesus gave you. Amen. And it's going to take maybe 20 and 30 years. But you're going to be tenacious and faithful to what you see. Because remember, there's another paradox here. I know this has got nothing to do with leaven, but let me tell you something. Sin is also leaven. But anyway, so you need to see it. If you don't see it, you're sinning against them. You're supposed to see where they are supposed to be. I don't like that. Well, I don't like it either, but that's the way it's been designed. It's like you're saying, I don't like the law of entropy. When you break an egg, I'd like it to come back. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't come back. It doesn't become an egg again. You know what I mean? It broke. That's the way it is. Okay? So I need to do it the way God told me to do it. That's it. I must align myself with it. Sorry, I've taken sure. long, but I mean, I no, just no. sensed in my heart this is something that needed to be said. Yeah. So you are the church. That's it. You've been called out from your own personal, emotional, physical, spiritual darkness that you have. Mm -hmm. Things that you've done in the past. You've got to clean up yourself, man. In the morning, clean up. I don't care what you've done. Yeah. I don't care what guilt-ridden feelings you're having. What are you going to do? Like we all do. We all have felt guilt. You give it to Jesus. Exactly. He went, he took that guilt, that shame, whatever it is, that abandonment. He took it out of the way. And you know what? When he took it, he took it so well and absorbed it, he became it and he lived his life with that emotion until it killed and destroyed him. That's what you need to see. When, when he took that feeling, he took it, he became it, and he lived it. With it until it killed him. So what are you doing with it? Law of double jeopardy. It's already been paid. That's it. Why, why, why are you taking it on yourself? You need to let it go. You need to be free to feel his love and his life. So today you can give that life to other people. Exactly. That's your mission. That's your purpose. Just in case you didn't know, why am I here? What am I doing? You know those three questions? Well, well now you What's know. What's my destiny? I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. You know, I used to hate those things, you know. Why am I here? Why do I exist? Okay. Because I didn't know either, by the way. <laughs> so I used to hate things that I, did, that I didn't know how to give answer. Well, now we know what we're here. Yeah. We're here to connect to him, experience his life. And give it to other people. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That was beautiful. And that actually, that actually leads us to the next point. Because, look, number 20 says, we'll overreact to carnality in the church. What's overreact? Oh, no, brother, you did something. We are excommunicating you. There's no hope for you. We'll look at you one day when you're burning in hell from heaven. Hey, you know. And the truth is, listen, that happens. Trust me, that happens. We've had people come to this church and say, my church says I'm unsafe because I got a tattoo. I'm like, huh? 
what are you saying? He's like, oh, they said I've, God's, God's grace can't save me. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what Bible they're reading from, but that's not how it works. Okay, but like you're explaining now, someone who, who is overreacting to carnality, now carnality has typically been defined as, okay, you're doing wrong things, right? But it's not. Carnality extends to someone who's stuck in the five senses. Like when the Bible tells us, don't be carnal, right? It's talking about that your experience of life must not be in your five senses, okay? It needs to be in your heart connecting to Jesus, right? So someone who is having an overreaction to this carnality is someone who is carnal themselves. Because you see, someone who's overreacting to that has not seen that person the way Jesus sees them. And you can't see that person the way Jesus sees them because you have not seen yourself the way Jesus sees you. Are you with me? You see, people who are incredibly carnal and carrying around that, that, that condemnation and their guilt, they feel more righteous when they condemn others. They feel more righteous if they can make sin increasingly sinful. I'm like, really? So let's make something bad even more bad in hopes that the bad gets good. Excuse me. But Romans tells us, what is it? it says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. In the Greek, super abounds, right? So we can see here now that, that what Tasso was explaining with the focus is that even when we see people in their mess, okay, you're there. Must I make a noise about it that you're there? Is that going to help you get out? Or do I say, listen, Christ has a vision for you. The quality of life that you can experience in Jesus is so much higher than what you're experiencing now, than what you're finding yourself in now. But someone who has not dealt with that reaction in their heart, in their own heart, because they believe God's reacting to them like that, will just automatically pass that on to people. They're, oh my gosh, you're caught in sin. I was like, well, hello? Did you not read Romans? It's in my members, but... Help me to get on the way so I can die to this stuff. Are you with me? That's our purpose, that we receive this word, we make it real, and we give it to people. And this is why Christians who try, whose primary focus is to live right, are always useless. I'm serious. They, they are no different from the world. Because all they have to give is self-righteousness. Jesus himself said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, What's he pointing at? He says, get over yourself. You have nothing to give people. He is the one who has to give people. Are you with me? Has to give to people, sorry. But in order to do that, we must receive from him first. Our objective, like you were saying, you know those meetings that you have, and you go and you, and you know, okay, I'm going to see this person, see this person. You've had a long relationship with these people. You know all the crazy things they're up to. But when you go there, you don't say, oh, my gosh, okay, I'm going to do this again, and I mustn't mention that. No. You must go there with a pure, free heart. Because, Lord, I see this person as you see them. I can see the potential in them. And today, I will be that, per that person that is listening to you to take them one step closer to that. That's the key. Are you with me? Man, in the beginning, I struggled with this. Because I struggled with it myself, obviously. But, I mean... <laughs> Diddy in the beginning, yeah, see, these, these chaotic people would come in and he's like, yeah, this person's joining us now. I'm like, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? This person, how are we going to get anything done? He's like, no, but don't worry. The Holy Spirit's saying there's a purpose here. They're going to be okay. <laughs> then it's months and years and I'm just like, Diddy, did you hear the Holy Spirit? <laughs> you know, like, are you, are you sure? Like, did you hear him? And I promise you, I kid you not, week on week, this person's heart opens more and more and more, and more, and eventually, boom. That same vision that the Holy Spirit gave us for them, they eventually end up walking in it. And that is how you save a soul, guys. You don't save a soul by saying, hey, that thing's hurting you, stop doing it. If you don't stop doing it, God doesn't love you. Oh, please, get a better song. That is like a 40s hit that it just needs to die, okay? The song is the gospel. That even though your own heart may fail you, God's greater than your own heart. Even the death you are experiencing, he died to it so you can experience a life that he is now living. Amen. So, anyone who, has, who overreacts to carnality, just chill. You must, you must go read, uh, they must go read Corinthians. Because yeah. of all the churches in this Bible, 
Guys, Corinth, crazy. You know what Paul tells them? He doesn't tell them, sis, you're disgusting. God doesn't love you. You're not saved. You know what he tells them? He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Listen, you go read what they were up to. The reaction would have been just for him to say, I'm sorry, the grace of God can't work for you. But he doesn't say that. He says, you, you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who's alive inside of you. Check your vision. Are you guys with me? If we're struggling with that, it just means that self is more evident in our hearts than Jesus is. That's a tough one. But think about it. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Uh, next. Sheesh. What is the time? It's already five past. Are you guys okay? Yes. You want to finish? Uh, Sheldon spoke for all of you. Thank you, Sheldon. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> Sheldon's like that guy. You guys remember that, that person in school where the teacher's about to end the lesson. He goes, uh, ma'am, do we have homework? <laughs> Bruh, what are you doing? Anyway, no, I'm kidding. That's a big joke. Um, we'll overreact to immaturity in the church. Ooh, this is a tough one. This is one I've struggled with for many years. <laughs> but it's the truth, you know? People forget that, okay, yes, this person is a grown adult. But in Jesus, they're like six months. They're like a year. You know, you can't expect them to be like a 30-year-old when they just started this journey with God, you know? There needs to be that consciousness of, okay, hold on. It's a baby. We're going to help them. We're going to help them along the way. Are you guys with me? Yeah. You got to let me know when you want to jump in here, bro. Um, we'll be and yeah. sometimes it can be an emotional maturity. Sometimes it can be a spiritual maturity. You know, you, you, you've got chronological sort of maturity. Um, so sometimes a person might be spiritually mature in a sense of, of experiencing certain things, but emotionally they might be stuck because of things that they've gone through in life. So you have someone who's at the age, let's say, of 50, but he got stuck at the age of 23 when he opened his business, and now he doesn't have the confidence because he lost his business to be able to move forward. So since the age of 22, he's been stuck. Yeah. Emotionally stuck, we're talking about. Okay. So, and, and spiritually, he might be connecting with God, he might be experiencing God, but in that area, he's stuck. So I, we, we have to go and allow and, and, and be there for them to help them to remove. Because that's what Jesus, one of the things that he says in, in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to preach the gospel, he says, to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. There is a word there to give liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to them that are blind. You know, so the liberty of the captives that he's talking about is you because of your own personal judgment when you lost your business. I'm just talking about business. It might be a relationship. You got, might got divorced, whatever. I don't care. It, it doesn't matter. But you got stuck. And he says, I am the one. And remember, it's your own assumptions, your own judgments about yourself that put you and created your prison. So you created your own prison. So we got to be with people, um, like the Bible says, even like Paul to Timothy, listen, Timothy, make sure that you are gentle with the people. It doesn't matter because we don't know what background they're coming from, you know, what they've experienced in their lives, to assist them to remove exactly. all of those things that are there. Yeah. And that gentleness that you're talking about, guys, you must remember, it's not about forcing people to do something. It's about walking with them so that they can believe in what Jesus has done. Mm. That's why we can be gentle, you know? I mean, you, you've probably experienced it, I don't know how many times, Tasso, even myself, deeds over the years. You know, people be like, I need to talk to you. I'm like, okay. So you sit down. And then they tell you something, you're like, that's hectic, you know, like sort of thing. Especially me, like, I, I've heard some like hectic things, you know, over the years. And in my mind, I'm like, make sure you tell your face not to react, okay? Don't react to this right now. Because in that, in that moment, that person is experiencing such a vulnerability that no. the reaction that you could have for that person could spark off another judgment and even contribute to the prison. Are you with me? So in that moment, the only way you can have gentleness, you can have patience. You know, the fruit of the Spirit that Galatians 5 tells us about is if you're free from these things. Because your mindset's not going to be, 
I got to tell this person they need to stop this. You know, your mindset has to be, okay, Christ is the answer to what's going on here. He is the one that needs to lead. Are you with me? He is the one now that needs to, to, to be at the center of what this person is looking Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Okay, next one. Um, we'll be overly prone to base evidence of God's approval on manifestations. Sheesh. Sheesh. Yeah, this is a big one. All right. How many of you know, oh, it's a huge church. It must be good. Look how much money they have. Obviously, they know what they're doing. Oh, okay. This is what it's talking about, right? But specifically, ministry-wise, um, God's approval of manifestation. So something happens in life. It's like, oh, I must be, God must love me so much. I'm so blessed, you know? All that sort of stuff that creeps in where people start now creating all these confidences independent of what Jesus has done. That's the emphasis, guys. The emphasis is always that this stuff comes up when it's independent of what Jesus has done. What does Ephesians tell us? Ephesians tells us there's no favoritism in him. All of us are equal. You know why? Because we're all exactly like Jesus. No, but then why? This one is like this and that one's like that. What about me? Well, so, okay, if we're all equal in Jesus, how much of that have you chosen to experience? No. It's the same thing available to all of us. You know what I'm saying? That same identity, that peace, that assurance, right? It's all available to all of us. But people use this. You know when you get that, uh, those SMSs? Omo, lucky draw, you have won 750,000 rand. <gasps> this is the favor of the Lord, yes. Omo is going to give you 750,000 rand. Imagine, you know? It's that sort of stuff, guys, is that we look to carnal things for God's, to, as confirmation is God's approval. Another no. way that we can look at it besides ministry is when you have got sickness in your body. Oh, and uh, yeah, so bring it down to your, to your personal life. So you believe something in your heart and notice what you do. You always check externally. Well, I'm not healed. Therefore, healing is not mine already. See, faith is not the external evidence. It doesn't say that. Faith is me getting into my heart and trusting that Christ who lives in me is the healer. And if I have him, I'm experiencing his life, which is his healing. So until I make that a reality internally, notice, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen as yet. Hey? Doesn't it say that? So when I capture it, when I make it my own internally, when I possess it internally, and it alters my sense of self because more time I spend in, see, in seeing myself healed and use the word like basic distraction and looking at the pain, looking at the physical evidence, that will change my internal reality. And once I possess it and see it internally, it doesn't matter what happens externally. Yes, it will manifest, but I cannot look externally to see and give me the evidence. It's never the evidence of what I already possess on the inside. 100%. Yeah. Amen. Okay. And, and that works conversely as well, hey? Because yeah. when people see, say, okay, something's going wrong, then obviously the way God feels about you has changed. So they use this for approval, disapproval? disapproval, disapproval. They use this for approval and disapproval. Because they say, oh no, if, if this is going wrong, oh God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yeah, God's not with me. Or, you know, the devil's attacking me, all that sort of stuff. Those physical uh, evidence, right? That physical evidence becomes the indicator of whether you're approved or disapproved. And preachers, they go worse about it. Yeah. They say one or two things. Okay, if something bad's happening, you open the door. Okay, thank you, we open the door. It's not because someone else made a bad choice or I made a bad choice, obviously. Uh, something else happening, um, oh no, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. Yeah, winner, but you're not a soldier, so anyway, it's fine. If you guys ever want to be a soldier, go look at what the soldiers actually do, and you'll be like, thank you that I'm saved by grace, God. I don't have to go through all this training, okay? Are you guys with me? So it works both ways, all right? Uh, next one. We'll be unable to join anything that he or she, there's only he's here, hey? Didi, winner? That he or she does not deem as being perfect or near perfect. 
Ah, this is a tricky one, right? Because we've had this problem here in, in, in our church, is that people are like, oh, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> We're so perfect. We never had this problem, you know? It's like, oh, I love you guys. You're the message you're preaching, you know, all this stuff. You guys should come on Sunday. Yes, you'd enjoy it. Um, yeah, actually, you know, I'm going to go to that church. You know, we've got 3,000 people there, and there's this happening, and you know, all that sort of stuff. I was chatting to someone last week, and they were saying, uh, they were having a conversation with a friend of theirs. The bigger the stable where you keep animals, the bigger the poo. <laughs> By the way, that's in Proverbs. I'm not uh, quite, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I didn't make this thing up. <laughs> it's there, God said it. So with his stable, he says, and there's animals, you're always going to have poo problems. Where there's people, there's going to be problems. That's all he's saying. <laughs> so I'm just saying the bigger the stable. <laughs> Jeez, I even it's a deduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a I even forgot my point. What okay, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I got it. I got it. What okay, I got it. I got it. Um, oh, yeah. I was talking about, uh, she, she was talking to a friend about church, you know. She was saying this church. And she was like, yeah, no, it's so cool here. And, and, and. The friend said, okay, what do you like about it, your church? You know, what's so amazing? And, she's, and the only thing she spoke about is how she has learned to connect with God. How she has learned who God is and how that has affected her life, mm. you know? Friend responds over her head like this. And the friend's like, yeah, I just love it so much because, you know, it's the community and everything is so organized. It never mentioned God once about her church. Imagine you talk about your church and you don't mention God. Sheesh, that's a heavy one, right? But that's, that's one example, right? But you see, we carry all these things, our own internal standards. It's like, no, I'm not going to go to that. No shame. You know, this is, I, I had that before where I didn't want to go to something because I knew I'm like, no, it's going to be a schlep. And all these people like, you're going to go to this thing. I'm like, ah, but why? Anyway, I'm not going to, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go because he's got a plan, you know? So obviously he wants me to go. I get there. I already purposed I'm going to have a bad time, Right? I'm, I've been like that in my life. Purpose, I'm going to have a bad time. I get there. Next minute, someone there starts opening their mouth about something. The Holy Spirit is like, right, talk to them. I kid you not, that entire evening, everyone's life got touched by God in a way that was so unique. It was so beautiful. Mm. You know? This is why the principle is being spirit-led, guys. We don't do things by our own internal standards. Are you with me? When we, went to, when we went to Soweto, right, we went to Soweto to do our outreach, okay? And then we get there, it's a tent. Now, we used to mega church, you know, hey, stages, sound, smoke machines, you know, everything. We get there, and we're looking at this thing, and these guys are busy digging. We're like, what are you doing? He's like, no, we're making a stage. I'm like, oh, okay. So they're digging up the ground, and they're putting the bricks in, you know, all this stuff. The stage was probably a fifth of this size, and we had like an eight-piece band, you know, all this stuff. So we get on there, and we're like, okay, we're here. Then it starts raining. Now this tent is on the ground, in the mud. It's crazy. That was, uh, and when Didi comes back, you can ask him. That was the night he got struck by lightning. You remember? He got, oh, you were there, yeah. But we, you know the story. He was struck by lightning. Well, a little bit off it, but he can tell the story. Through the mic, actually, yes. It came down the pole, and it went through the mic. And we all closed our eyes, and when we looked, Didi was gone. We're like, yo, did he get raptured? Meanwhile, he just jumped in that corner. <laughs> I'm like, are you okay? He's like, my teeth are buzzing. I'm like, okay. That's cool, bro. That, that, that's, that's the anointing. No, it's the lightning. But I kid you not, we were there, and all we did was we're like, okay, Holy Spirit, everything sounds wonky. Everything feels bad, but you told us, come here. What do you want? And guys, I kid you not, everyone in that tent was so hungry for God that they had such an experience with him, it changed their lives. Are you with me? So you can see that the reason why we're talking about these things is not because we're condemning or we're guilty. We're trying to show you guys what a limitation it creates to the experience of life that you can have. That's the thing, guys. You, you cannot hold on to any of these things because you are missing out on the abundant life that Jesus wants you to experience. Amen? Amen. Okay, where are we? Last two. Yeah, we'll be overly paranoid of the religious spirit <laughs> and quick to recognize it in others and not in himself. Sorry, on, on 23, that's what yeah. I wanted to say. Remember, perfect, and you used the word before, is the word for right. Mm. What, you know, what is right to me is actually perfect. Yeah. Is it? 
See, and, and that's the whole key, uh, uh, sort of false thing of Christianity. We're looking at life right and wrong. Yeah. And we're not looking what will give life and what's going to give death. Exactly. Deuteronomy 30, that's what he said. He didn't say choose right or wrong. He says choose life or death. Exactly. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. 100%. So what we deem as perfection is based on what we see as right. Big difference. Big difference. When I'm choosing the way he says I must do it, and, and the word perfect, remember, remember in Matthew, is it five or six where it says, be perfect, perfect as, your, as your father is perfect. Yeah. Hey? Do you know what that word means? That means having the ability to walk in love in every situation, to see the value on the other person. So it's got nothing to do with perfection in how I'm doing it, because every time you do something perfect and right, it's about selfishness. Yeah. How it makes you feel. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Ed, Ed, Ed Elliot, sorry. Yeah. Ed Elliot actually says something amazing about that. He says, when Jesus was talking about be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, he says, be perfectly loved as your heavenly father perfectly loves you. Awesome, yeah. Be perfectly loved as your heavenly father perfectly loves you. That's a big difference. But anyway, write that down. Okay. Next. We'll be overly paranoid of the religious spirit and quick to recognize it in others and not himself. I think we've... Or herself. Yeah. Didi. <laughs> I feel like he's, he skewed this thing a little bit. Okay. Um, you, we, we've touched on that enough, I think, right? And then we'll have the tendency to glory in anything but the cross of Jesus, what he has accomplished, and who he is okay this one's a juicy one i've had many many what's the word i don't want to say arguments spirited debates all right encounters <laughs> hey? yeah intense fellowship mm. <laughs> intense fellowship with many people about this because they will go to the nth degree about grace about law about the sabbath about the anointing about all those things but they will refuse to acknowledge the present reality in Christ. This is why the Bible calls him the stumbling block. He is the stumbling block because all your logic apart from him will fail. Any logic that you have about God apart from Jesus will fail. Someone tells you, yo, you're not living a certain way. You're not saved. I was like, oh, well, really? I mean, it's by grace through faith, right? So... Living a certain way must come from that. It's not first. Are you with me? When they talk about the devil, when they talk about revival and anointings and you know all this sort of stuff, what is the present reality in Christ? Is that we are one with him. That's the present reality. So everything must come from there. Mm. Are you guys with me? And also be careful when you hear what is your office. You know, the corner one. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, the corner one. <laughs> yeah. You see, we, 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 when we do that, we begin to identify with our gifts, the talents. What the, no, those were given to serve. So don't try to find out whatever. Just carry on doing what you, you need to do, loving people, and whatever office it is, it will just reveal itself. You know? Don't try to find, oh, this is my office. And then, well, everybody must bow down to my office, you know, or my anointing and my this and my that. No. You know, the, the um, Matthew 28 brings out that it's, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. It says it accompanies the word yes. that you're speaking, Amen. that it's become life to you. Amen. 100%. And if there are believers online or even sitting here, if you're going to listen to this later... Um, there's been this thing in the last, what, 10, 15 years, well, that I've experienced, is that, what's your, what's your destiny? What is the destiny that God has for you? And everyone goes on this mission because that's what they're told, yep. right? But what's driving that thing to feed that destiny is that you're looking for something physical so that you can feel like you belong. Listen, someone who's got an internal reality of number 25, who's got an internal reality of Christ, you're not looking for destiny because you already know that before the foundations of this earth, God predestined you to be found in Christ. End of story. 
destiny, your purpose, your destiny, your everything. It's got nothing to do with doing anything in this world. Everything that you do in this world is an expression of the love of God to serve other people. End of story. Your destiny is to be found in Christ. So if you are here this morning and you're listening and you're going to listen later, I have to say that because, you know, anyway. Um, and you've been told this and you're searching for that in your heart. I'm telling you now, biblically speaking, you need to be found in Christ. That's your destiny. No ministry, no career, no person in this world is going to give you the sense of approval, belonging, that you're enough, completeness, wholeness, all the stuff that Christ gives us. Nothing in this world is going to give you that. Only being found in Jesus is going to give you that. Amen. Amen. So I don't know. Um, it's 25 past 11. It's still early. Okay, so we're going to take a two-minute break, and then, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I, I wanted to get to, to Matthew 16, but I don't want to open it. Yeah, we can do it next week. It's fine. We'll do it next week, because that's where Jesus actually gives the warning, but I wanted to break it down this morning. But we got through this. Did you guys get something this morning? All right? Lots to think about. Okay? Yes? What's your name? Yeah, amen. That's it. It's, it's all based on him. Amen? It's all based on him. Amen. Come on, give God another round of applause. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Listen, man, I'm telling you, all of us, we're spoiled brats. We are incredibly privileged to experience this kind of life. You know? On Friday when we had the, the worship, we, we opened with a bit of worship uh, at the, the fellowship thing. And, you know, the presence of God was so sweet. He's like, yes, we're such spoiled brats. I'm like, you know what? As children of the king, I expect nothing less. I'm like, that's cool. I don't mind being a spoiled brat. God's good. It's happiness. It's good. Alrighty. Did I miss anything? No. Actually, in spiritual it's, things, yeah. you can't get spoiled, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I like you know. it. Yeah, you can't. You know, it's just there you can uh, overindulge. You can uh, go mad. Go mad. I like it. Yeah. I'm going to and make Bonkers, it more. Yeah. Okay. So, are, you, are you guys all happy? Hey, are you happy? Okay, get up and say, if I'm happy and then I clap my hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, this is fantastic. If you're happy and you never clap it. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you guys hungry? Because there's food on sale. Yes. That's Llewellyn. Hallelujah. Oh, no. It's Calvin. Sorry. Yeah, it's Calvin. Plane back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, you got homework this week. Yeah. When, when you get home, okay, now, you need to, I hope you've taken something, a pointer, something that really stood out for you. And what I want you to do is, uh, okay, you're going to have your meal, obviously. Uh, is there sports uh, this afternoon? I know it was last night. Oh, was it last night? And, and, and I know Real fun. Madrid did beat uh, Liverpool yeah. one now. Okay. <laughs> but uh, what, what you can do is, uh, if, you, if you can, do you know most of the information you heard now, within one hour, you will lose 90%. You're not going to remember 90%. So, at least I hope you've taken just one point. So what I want you to do is take that point and think about it and then, you know, go lie down maybe or just while you're relaxing and just begin to see yourself living that point. And then you say to yourself, if I had to believe this point that, you know, if it was real for me, how would I look like in life if I had to live on that point, okay, and if I had to experience the points, emotions. What, are, what, what, would, what would my life look like? What would it be like living that way? What, what type of choices would I make if I felt that way? Okay? Would you do that? And then write it down. And just say, okay, 
This is what my life would be if I had to make and feel this way. Then give yourself permission. Am I willing to do that? Say to yourself, am I I willing to go there? And if you are, that's when you're going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're willing to go there, because now you, you, you saw a trailer of your life. You know what I mean? What could it be? Would it be? So the minute now you take it and you say to yourself, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm contemplating here. There's, there's, there's some kind of a reality that I could be like. If I, you know, notice, you can choose that. Because yeah. most of us, we think we're victims. You can choose that if you want to. And if you do, only then, listen to me, not before, then the Holy Spirit comes and gives you strength, gives you wisdom, gives you knowledge, gives you guidance. If you don't do it, then he's going to override your will. He can't override your will because you're in authority here. So you've got to go there, make the decision, and allow the Holy Spirit to give you empowerment. Please, for the good of the body of Christ and for yourself, do this exercise. Mm. It'll help everyone. Okay. Are you good with that? Amen. Hey, I'm good. I'm good. You're good. They're good. Yeah. They're clapping their hands. So praise the Lord. All right, guys. So uh, much love, grace, and peace. I don't know. I feel like no one wants to leave. Oh, it's because we're talking. It's us. Oh, is it us? We, oh. we it's us. It's us. It's not you. We understand. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, please have an amazing week ahead. Have a fantastic Sunday. Uh, everywhere you go, let your conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt. All right. And please, every day practice what we're teaching you now. Do your homework. I'm going to have a homework not done stamp next week. If your homework's not done, I'm going to stamp you. Okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, have a great week. We're going to be back here on Wednesday. And yeah, grace and peace. Amen. Lovely being with you guys.